0: FM. This is Connected, episode 138. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Mac MacWeldon, and Audible. My name is Mike Hurley. I missed Federico and Stephen too much, so I decided to make an about face turn uh, on my previous decision of leaving the show forever. And I'm back. And uh, Stephen is here. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Mike. Welcome back. Thank you, Federico. How could I leave you?
1: Bentornato. Mike.
0: Thank you so much. You could have said literally anything to me, but I'm assuming that you said welcome it back.
1: W- yes, yeah, it but means you welcome back. You can say it means
0: welcome back. It could mean anything. I don't know what it means. Well, this
1: is good to know. I will make sure to, to, to remember this in the future. <laughs> say whatever I want to <laughs> you. And there's
0: nothing you can do. I have just mm-hmm. spent I have just spent like uh, about four or five days living in that reality. Um, of people saying things to me and me having no idea what they said because I was in Romania with Adina's family, she was there too. Mm. I wasn't just there with them. Uh, nobody speaking to each other because uh, they mm. all speak Romanian and uh, do not speak English. So,
1: well, the the next step is to do the same on a podcast. It just makes sense to me. So to have them on the show, and then
0: we (laughs) both have two different conversations. (laughs) I have my conversation, and they have their
2: conversation. I mean, I hate to put on the co-founder hat for a second, but I don't think that show is going to perform. We like niche podcasts. This is a very niche. uh, uh, mm. This is very niche. It's just people that can speak both languages. (laughs) I think you've confused that word with confusing. Not not niche. Okay, so we have to follow up. Copyright, John Syracuse. Yep, copyright, John Syracuse. In case anybody follow didn't up. know, John Syracuse
0: created follow up, and now we are all just uh, we're benefiting from his glorious
2: creation. That's all right. I have a picture of him on the wall that I touch anytime I do follow up. Mm-hmm.
1: That is only mildly creepy, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Stephen, but okay.
2: So we did trivia last week, and I caught this error while editing the show, but there was no way to edit around it. The actual score was 3.5 to 3.5. We actually tied. Uh, What Mm. happened is I said I was going to give you a half point for the LT answer, (laughs) and I gave you no no. points. Uh, But... My generosity was my downfall, because uh, I gave no, no. you two points for the software update pricing thing, do, and that tied it. So.
1: Do not try to backtrack on your decision. You, you, I am. You had a, str- you had a strategy. <laughs> you had a strategy. Yes, you still won. You still won. To be fair, I was kind of terrible at the answers. Um, um, I, these are just not the kind of details that I remember, you know? So you won the game, and I expected you to win, because you're much more... Uh, is there an adjective to describe a person with a very encyclopedia-like knowledge? You're very encyclop- encyclopedic.
0: Perfect. En-pedic? That's perfect. Yeah, we did Maybe. that. Nailed it. Good work, everyone. Shut it down. <laughs> uh, I will say, so I listened to the show last week and I enjoyed this segment very much, but you two both suck at scoring. You both suck a keeping score and delivering <laughs> wow. scores. Wow. It made no sense. It's like, oh, I'll just give you two points for this one. I'll give you half a point for this. It's like points flying everywhere. Um, I, I feel like I had a hand in helping judge the questions. But for everybody listening out there, I had absolutely no hand in the way that points would be allocated because it seemed to be given completely haphazardly.
1: Well, then yeah. we should do mm-hmm. it again. You can be the official... Uh, organizer and scorekeeper of this tournament. So I do actually
0: very much like that idea um, that it should definitely be a tournament and because (laughs) it makes sense that the two of you would set questions for each other based on each of these things and uh, I figure we should do it again and next time um, maybe I can come up with the questions so the questions will Mm. be equally weighted because they were not stacked equally. Um, As I said to and it was repeated on the show. They were both very hard, but coming from completely different places. And right, I think that I think that, uh, that Stephen's encyclopedic mind <laughs> was kind of Federico's downfall. Is that like you went to the point of like specific spec bump type stuff, where yes, Federico went did. for more like marketing. And I think yeah. it completely just. Like the marketing stuff is is easier to remember if you have a non encyclopedic mind. Yeah. Um.
1: And yeah. It, And it, it just destroyed me. Really. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. really did. So I think next time we do this, I will create the questions and I will score them adequately.
1: All right. Okay. I will yeah. have my I will have my re- revenge, Stephen. <laughs> wow. Be prepared. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, It'll not- happen. Don't worry. Yeah. Actually, do worry. Yeah.
2: Uh, we also had uh, a, a double layer error. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the show, I think we said iOS 4.0 or 4.0. We said 4.1, I think, That's merged. No, we
1: said. It's you said. I said. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and really, it was iOS 4.2.1 that unified the iPhone and iPad, which just blows my mind. They used that as the version number as opposed to 4.3. Uh, so I was wrong, but you missed it. Still, so I still win. Uh, That's what's important here.
1: Okay, fine. Uh, I
2: guess. While we're picking on you, (laughs) uh, we have a tweet from June of 2016. Mm -hmm. People do this to the president, so we can do it with you. Uh, Uh You heard it here first, colon, hello, Tuesday, April 18th, 2017.
1: Is it really really my fault? I'm just taking a picture of the wall at WWDC.
2: Well, so today's April 18th. Federico, why haven't you done anything amazing?
1: I Well, it wasn't me. Well, I did change my profile picture on Twitter, so that's one. That's Um, what Apple
2: was talking about.
1: Yeah, right. And uh, I actually think, I mean, right away when I took that photo, last June, people told me it's actually tax day in the United States. So I think we all knew it was all about tax day there was the idea that apple was maybe going to open up the the new campus the apple park but this <laughs> apple is obviously not happening today oh
0: god me and jason put like this bet on with each other a few weeks ago and his point was that it was tax day and i was like no come on they wouldn't yeah. do it because it's tax day and yeah it seems like that's, that's the case
1: oh, yeah it, it is tax day and uh someone on Twitter today made a Excellent point that most of the sentences in the in the WWC wall, uh, they were actually referring to apps or at least memes in the developer community. So it makes sense to include tax day because there are a bunch of, uh, you know, apps for paying taxes, for calculating taxes and stuff like that. And also self-employed people. Yes. Right. Of course. Yeah. and Yeah. I mean, there's no big reveal or anything. I mean, besides, you know, my profile picture, which is, I guess it is big news in the Apple world uh, today, which is only a reference. Uh, But um, yeah.
2: Hmm. No,
1: no, no big event. I'm sorry, Steven. No fireworks. No.
2: Wow. Well, I'm still holding on for a pajama gram or something from, from Phil Schiller at my door. So we'll follow up on that. Uh, So we talked, or I talked, Federica listened, about uh, the Mac last week. And we had a bunch of email from people kind of sharing why they love the Mac and sort of echoing what I said or adding things to it. And uh, a bunch of people wrote in about the customization of the Mac. So things like Finder, Sidebar, Shortcuts, the Menu Bar, things you put in the dock, that the Mac can adapt and mold to what you need it to be. And iOS feels, at least at this point, A little more rigid you have you know you have areas for widgets but the home screen is basically just a grid you can't like pin an app somewhere and have it always available in the same place like some of that those little corners for customization just uh, aren't there and I was wondering you know is that something do you think the iPad in particular could benefit from having some place you know hey I always want we bought to be running and always want it to be here. You know, Mm. I don't even know what that would look like in iOS, but do you guys kind of get what I'm getting at, this idea of a sort of permanence that the iOS platform doesn't offer?
1: I think you're you're thinking of the uh, speciality, maybe, of... Uh, being able to arrange your workspace in a very specific way to be to to be able to say, I always want this document or this application to always be in this position because it's the way they, that I arrange my desk and that I like to work only in a digital space. And I do believe there's some room on iOS for that kind of uh, thinking and especially in the multitasking uh, view when you open the split view. Uh, right now, the split view app picker UI. It's not actually a UI, just a terrible list of apps. And I think there's room for Apple there to have a way to let users uh, for example, bookmark certain apps and always place them in the same position in the split view Mm -hmm. uh, multitasking picker. So you can say, I open split view, I open this picker UI, and I know that one of my most used apps, such as Numbers or Tweetbot, is always in the top left of this grid. It's the same concept of the home screen, only brought to the multitasking interface, which I guess is what most people use when it comes to multitasking on an iPad.
2: Yeah, we've seen this on watchOS, right, with the dock there. Uh, you know, exactly. You, you have yeah. that honeycomb of apps that you can get lost in, or you can have, how, how many is it in the dock? Is it eight or ten or something? Um, have your favorites there. I, I, I like that. I think it, that metaphor works really well on the watch. Um, I think it's kind of an interest, interesting idea that you could pin something, and so it's kind of reliably in the same place.
1: Yeah, and I think the next step, if you go beyond app icons, would be to, to kind of... Um, to have extensions break out from the share sheet and kind of like on the Mac where you can customize toolbars and say, well, I want to have my 1Password extension in Safari to the left of the address bar. Right now, you cannot do that kind of uh, customization on iOS because every extension needs to be activated from the share sheet. But it would be great if if there were uh, a system where users can say, well, I want to have the activation for the Twitter share sheet or for One Password or workflow, for example, and I want to pin the specific extensions somewhere else in the interface, and that will let you not only save on tabs, so you don't have to go, uh, you don't have to go through the share sheet every single time, but you could also uh, be more productive because all of your shortcuts are always in specific positions in in the apps that you use every day and maybe this is just wishful thinking but it's one of those things that I feel like Apple solved on macOS a long time ago and it's just you know unless anyone can think of any better solution it just makes sense to me to be able to say well I want my extensions exactly the way that I want to use them
2: yeah I think that's fair Uh, Mike, we wanted to offer you the opportunity to speak about Clips or the Mac, stuff that you missed last week, if you had any follow-up from last week's show.
0: I do. So, with Clips, right, I feel like I have seen some fun movies made with it, like people tweeting them and stuff, but I haven't gotten it into my head how to use the app. Like, I can't seem to use it the way that I think it needs to be used, so... There are things that I feel that it should do that it doesn't. And then when I try and do them, it doesn't work. And then I get a little bit lost. Like, for example, I want to have like an emoji appear at a certain point in a video, which it doesn't do. Or like you can't have emoji move around the screen or whatever, right? Like you can't do any of that stuff, which is things that I'm seeing done in other applications that make videos that are kind of like this, right? Like Snapchat or Instagram. Like there, there, there seems to be some features that, It looks like it should have, but doesn't, based on the type of app that it's trying to be. Um, So that's, like, one of the reasons I think I'm getting myself a little bit confused whenever I try and use it. Like, I just can't seem to lock myself into the way that I'm supposed to use the application. I do like the way that you add stuff like uh, footage into the application. I think it has one of the better UIs for this, like... And you can scroll around to a point in the video and then just hold the record button, and it just adds the one little section that you want from a previous video clip from the camera roll. I think that's really cool. That's one of the better, like, seek and find and like trim UIs that I've seen. You know, for especially for an app like this, where you're probably not going to sit and hold it for like two minutes while you're adding the whole clip in or whatever. Like, you just want to add ten seconds of a video. You just press and hold and just add that in. I like that a lot, and that's like a fun way to do a different type of um, timeline editing which I quite like. I need to spend more time with it. Like, uh, but right now, I just, I just, I'm, I'm not really that enthused by it to be honest. You know, like I thought about maybe, oh, maybe would I want to put anything in for the vlog with this app? But it's all in square. Right, now, I'm not going to put a square video inside of a widescreen video. Like, I'm just not <laughs> going to do that. So, I'm not going to play around with it like that for now. Um, in regards to the Mac and iOS, um, I think the thing that I've been thinking about with this stuff, and I think it's going to come up a little bit later on in the show, is that, like, compared to iOS, the Mac feels like a kind of raw power. Like, the Mac kind of holds this raw power that iOS doesn't. Um, So, like, for example, by that, I mean that I can basically do anything I can think of on the Mac or I can learn it. Um, But or there is like this raw power that's sitting there, which is kind of intimidating. Right. (laughs) That like I know it's there and I'm scared I'm going to break something. Um, So I can basically do anything that I want to in a way that sometimes iOS puts blocks in my way or things that I have to jump around. Um, but this, in the same vein, this raw power can can be a little overwhelming because I don't always know how to harness it properly.
2: Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to get to, in the idea that the Mac should feel less dangerous to to. And you're you are a pro user of the Mac, like you know what you're doing. But to someone who isn't as well versed as you are, think how kind of more overwhelming it can be. Oh yeah, and they just have to as. They kind of have to walk the same line with iOS, but from a different direction. You know, iOS they add features, but they always try to do it in a way that doesn't increase complexity unnecessarily. And you know, we can argue about certain points when they get that right or when they get that wrong. But on the Mac, if the goal is to make it more approachable and more you know friendly, then they have to do that in a way that leaves that power there for people who are already used to it. Right? They're they have to approach it from different directions. Where I think you know, that stress comes up is when they do something like Launchpad on the Mac. You know, it's, it's basically the the iOS home screen. There's a keyboard uh, shortcut for it. Um, when you install an app, you see it. And it's it's not great. And I don't know how many people use it, but you know, there was a big concern that, oh, uh, you know, Apple's going to replace the Finder with this thing, and I'm not going to have an applications filter anymore. Like, well, no, Launchpad is there for people who want to use it. And I'm sure there are people who, who are and who do use it. And for those of us who use Spotlight or Alfred, or you know know that Command Shift A gets you into the Applications folder. Then we can do it that way too, right? There's there's a multiple ways to to get things done on the Mac, and they just have to walk that balance. And they get it right, and they get it wrong. But I think that's sort of the key to all of this. All right, today's show is
0: brought to you in part by Squarespace. Use the offer code WORLD at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Maybe you're looking to create a blog, a portfolio, an online store, a site for your band, a site for your restaurant. No matter what it is, Squarespace will let you easily create that website for your next idea. They have award-winning templates. They're all feature-responsive design, they're all beautiful. So you can go in and you can tweak things to your heart's content without needing to dig into a bunch of code to allow you to show off your great ideas without either A, learning something that you don't know how to do, B, being overwhelmed by something you don't know how to do, or C, spending the time doing something you maybe do know how to do, but it takes longer than checking something off from a checkbox or picking up something from a drop-down menu. They'll let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name to help you show off not just the way that things look, but also to give yourself a brand as well, right? So you can give your website a lovely little name to go along with the beautiful design that you've enabled. Squarespace have 24-7 customer support. And with Squarespace, you don't have to install anything. You don't have to worry about security patches or upgrades, nothing. Squarespace take care of all of it, so you do not have to. I've used Squarespace for projects for as long as I can remember now. Like, a a very long time. I feel like maybe like 10 years or something like that if not 10 years close to i mean we still use them at relay fm today we use them for our store and for our blog that's all built on squarespace because they build all that functionality way easier and way better than we would be able to especially when you consider that their plans start at just 12 dollars a month there's no way we could have built them for that cheaply you can sign up for a free trial today there's no credit card required by going right now to squarespace.com then when you do sign up use the offer code world at checkout you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you to Squarespace for their support of Connected Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website.
2: We have we have a couple of mini topics this week uh, before we get to the big one, uh, and the first is the curse of the prompt. So, uh, friend of the show uh, TJ wrote in, talk about uh, Plex Photos, which is. Um, i guess it's new i don't i don't really keep up with plex that well but it's a it's a photo yeah. management service from plex you know you can mm. put your stuff on your server and have it available everywhere plexy type things um i hope they don't talk about this on connected fm hashtag the curse is real and i thought it'd be interesting to talk about plex for a second is that i what to just see if recently... we can
0: kill it like what's the
2: reason like you yeah. want to see yeah just wanna well see? hey i just want to see like, i like playing with fire <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but two, I, I'm just now kind of getting into Plex after many years of people telling me to do it. So I haven't installed my Mac Mini. I have a few things in my library. I, I basically pointed my library at my folder of Apple videos, so they're all available there. Uh, I, I'm not there with all my media, right? Because we we just buy a lot of stuff from iTunes, and so iTunes is still our, our media hub in our, in our house. And I have it hooked up to a couple other people's libraries, so like I can watch what Casey List puts in his Plex library. Guys... There's some weird stuff in Casey's video library. <laughs> it's it's a weird place in there. Mm. And that's really cool that I can watch something that he up you know he puts there and I can just stream it from his house to mine. Um, but I'm not, I don't know, I'm just not sold on Plex yet. I think, I don't really know why. Uh, maybe it's because of the iTunes thing.
1: Maybe because it's Casey's. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's Casey's from
2: off to it. <laughs> uh, so what about y'all?
1: Uh, I I tried Plex. I used to be a Plex user um, a few years ago, back when I actually had work in Macintoshes. Um, now it's not that time anymore. Uh, I tried to put Plex on my Synology uh, server here at home. And it it's nice. Um, you know, the apps have gotten much better, at least on iOS, much more flexible than they used to be. But every time I try Plex, there's just so much management involved of manually putting in your music and your photos and your TV shows and movies. It just, everything needs to be... And I know that there are tools to make this management more automated, but it's just, even those tools have to be installed first. Whereas, you know, I just pay for Apple Music and I go on Apple Music and I listen to music. Or I take a picture on my phone and it goes straight up to iCloud. And I feel like this kind of manual management, uh, it's not for me, at least at this point in my life... I can see why Plex is very popular among parents and, you know, people who have to uh, manage these insane libraries of cartoons and other uh, kid-friendly movies. I guess it makes sense from that scenario, Uh, but from my personal consumption point of view, it's just easier to use Apple Music or Photos, whatever, you know. Uh, Just so, so much overhead, and that's my big problem with Plex right now. I had
0: the app installed also hooked up to Casey Casey's crazy library um but I
1: what's this what's this thing about Casey's library it's like I, 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 want, I want to get into this well, just libraries.
0: ask him and he can hook you up cuz you can share libraries with people Okay I'm going to send so, him a message say so you want into the crazy a video library the list household um <laughs> I, I haven't used it though like it's there I just never have used it like I eh, I mean one day I mean I would set it up at the point when I set up my own media thing, but, like, I feel like I just have less and less requirements these days for a service like that. I stream everything. So, like, having my own video library just seems like something I'm... It's unlikely that I'm going to create, honestly. Like, I, I don't I don't have, like, this huge mm. movie library which I'm pulling from. I mean, because I, I got rid of most mm. of my DVDs and Blu-rays when we moved because I realized I didn't have any devices that could play them anymore that were hooked up to my tv right like i think i think my playstation can play blu-rays like i don't even know if the playstation 4 can
1: i you know i actually never bought a blu-ray i know that the previous playstation could. Life. i know
0: that because i used it but i've never put a <laughs> blu-ray into my playstation 4 it probably does uh but i haven't tried right? Like I'm just going to yeah. assume that yes, it can. Uh, I will in a moment, look it up. And I'm actually, I'm just going to look it up right now because if I don't do it right now, people have already, it's going to be
1: people, they've yeah.
0: already done it. Okay. Yeah, it can. So it can, but people are complaining on Google. Uh, well, Google is pulling up complaints that people are saying that it's too loud. The disc is too loud. Anyway,
1: too, too lu- oh, too loud. it's too okay. loud. It's far too loud.
0: um, mm but i just i just have no desire really these days to have like a hard drive full of video like it's just not it's just not a thing that i tend to want now so my question though is why is plex doing this like why are they creating a photo service and i kind of dug through their their website a little bit to try and work out what the thinking was so i guess one thing is that the infrastructure is already there and they don't need it Right so like I think one of the things that killed a lot of the services we've spoken about is that they needed hard drives to store the images on but Plex doesn't have to do that because it doesn't store they don't store anything right like it's all just on your server that you've set up Right. So that's one big thing is they can do this without those long term running costs of storing data and making backups and all that stuff because their hands are off, which is also a good thing from the privacy perspective because they don't store anything. They also do offer end to end encryption. And um, because your server is the central data, they have that kind of privacy that Apple have, you know, like where it's like, oh, we don't see anything. We don't look at anything. But then the devices have to control that data on iCloud. Well, they don't have to do any of that because I assume that any data that they add because they do some organizational stuff is just added to the image file or to a file which is saved on the server that you've set up, right? Because all you're doing is just going to your data that's on your server via their application. So that all makes sense. They have their own organizational tools. They do some machine learning stuff, of course, to automatically tag things. Um, and I assume that all of that stuff is just operating on the device, right? Like it's on, the, it's in the app or something. Um, and they have a camera uploading app as well, which you want, and all of your stuff in its original quality. So I guess this is actually quite. If you are a Plex user and you have all of your photos backed up, it kind of feels like a no-brainer that you would just flick a switch and turn it on or whatever but in the same mm-hmm. way that like we all signed up for Google Photos, right? Well, cuz it's free yeah. and we're already got the photos saved on our computers um or you know, or they do the background uploading, so why not just do that? They also do the camera uploading stuff, right? So you can you can upload things directly to your server and it's all end-to-end encrypted.
1: Yeah, and I guess maybe if you have a uh, an easy plex installation i mean if you have a synology it just i think it's just a couple of clicks to get a plex library iphone running on your on your own network um and i think maybe if, if it's that easy you know you can just enable the automatic uploads from the iphone app and you have a f- virtually free free because you don't pay for the service you actually paid for the for the uh, nas that you have at home uh but it's a secondary backup of your photos um And I think the other argument in favor of this kind of product is there's a lot of people who, unlike us, are really uh, unhappy with the idea of Companies like Apple, Google, or Facebook having your photos. There's, uh, there's, I believe, quite a few people who don't, don't want to upload anything to uh, these companies' services. And it may sound crazy to us, and personally, it does seem a little crazy to me because it's just so convenient. But, you know, it's the same reason, I guess, that some people do not use credit cards when buying things online. Uh, there's some people who are just not comfortable with the idea, and so maybe having a server that you control, that you buy with a server with a service that runs locally on that device, maybe it just makes them more comfortable, and it makes more sense because they're keeping all of their media on it. They like to organize manually all of these uh, files and libraries, and I guess there's a place for everyone. Uh, it's not for me, but I can see why for some people it makes some sense.
0: I don't think yeah. the curse is gonna kill this one.
2: I don't think so either. I think I think there are people people who are inclined to like Plex and services like it who, you know, want the benefits of having re- having all their media with them all the time, but not wanting it on a cloud service, wanting it on a hard drive they own. Like that's a big enough audience for this to, to be fine. So Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna check it out anytime soon. If I, I mean I'm using iCloud Photo Library and it's been fine. If that wasn't the case, I would look at this, but I'm pretty happy where I am.
0: Well, I mean, it being fine to you is an off and on relationship, right?
2: It's been—I mean, I've been—I've been back in iCloud Photo Library for elite, um, coming up on nine months, maybe a year even. I mean, I had a lot of problems which we we spoke about, but Apple did some voodoo magic on my iCloud account, and things seem okay. So, um,
1: they probably just moved you back to the last instance left of idisc that's right that's why it's w- working so well for you yeah
2: man idisc was so slow guys can't even, i remember
1: <laughs> i remember <laughs> oh, this yes, isn't. i also do remember. we talk about these things and we're in
0: my time now you know like we're not we're not back in the either the time that steven was in or believes he was in um mm-hmm. i remember all of that like i had idisc because i had a dot mac account and everything
1: i was a mobile me subscriber <laughs> man that's a long time ago.
2: Mm. Good times.
1: Well, well, for you, it's probably it feels like yesterday, Stephen. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
2: cloud
0: services are a flat circle. You're just going for the titles now. You just, I know what you're doing. You're saying <laughs> you're just something.
1: Just fishing, yeah. fishing for <laughs> yeah. titles. you Just, you're just standing there, hoping that someone will suggest it. That's yeah. Right.
2: Kyle suggested this morning. Uh, Bloomberg, Mark Gurman and friends published a article about the. What he's calling the 10th anniversary iPhone or the iPhone 8, the unicorn iPhone, whatever it is. It basically recaps a lot of stuff we've already heard. Apple is preparing three iPhones for launch, two basically being the 7S, looking the same way as the 7, and a new high end redesigned phone with some sort of curved glass and stainless steel design, more advanced cameras uh oled display i don't i don't know how much is new in this but it sort of puts it all in one package all in one article
0: yeah there's a couple of things in in german's article that i want to touch on a little bit so as you say like the things that we already know about right i think stainless steel is a new part i don't think that that was something that i recall um yeah
1: it's been around in the past couple of okay. days really i think okay yeah it's 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 relatively new as a rumor.
0: So one thing that uh, that Mark says, which uh, is interesting, is that Apple is aiming to reduce the overall size of the handset by integrating the home button into the screen itself via software. Apple has also experimented with integrating the iPhone's fingerprint scanner into the screen of the OLED version, which would be technically challenging. We'll get to the to the um, the fingerprint scanner part in a little bit. But the idea of integrating the home button. So this has been a, a conversation which has, has gone about a lot. Um, and I think the whole time, at least I've been considering it, I've been thinking of home button and touch ID to be one and the same. But they're not, are they? Really? You can have a fingerprint sensor doesn't have to be part of the home button. And in that instance, it makes sense to me that they would find a way to, via the use of 3D touch, um, put some kind of home button in the screen which is kind of like what Samsung just did they put the, uh, the only part of the S8 that has any kind of 3D touch like capability is just an area where the home button is so I guess you could do that right
1: I mean personally I would love to have if Apple were to go with a with a sensor in the back I think it would be kind of nice to have it on inside of the Apple logo and i know it's probably never gonna happen but man that would be futuristic you're touching the apple to get into the i kind of don't like that for nice. that exact
0: i don't like that for the reason you just said there's something i don't <laughs> like about like touch the apple touch, right i just touch the i'm apple. not up for touching <laughs> the apple there's
1: something there's something religious about it almost no you're, touching grabbing the apple this is exactly why i don't
0: (laughs) i don't want that right like i don't i just don't want that i don't want to be doing that that's not a thing that i want to do i don't (laughs) don't want to be touching the apple at any point
1: don't don't you want to be was it was it adam or eve with the apple i don't know man well i mean they were both
0: there but the the eve was anyway we don't need to get that's right eve was first yep see i knew it i knew it See, you're proud of me i knew that (laughs) Sunday school, kids, it's a thing. Um, Apple is apparently going to be putting an OLED display into this, right? They're testing a screen that covers almost the entire front of the device, as German says. This results in a display slightly larger than that of the iPhone 7 Plus, but an overall size closer to the iPhone 7. Again, we've known this sort of stuff for a while. There isn't really anything new to this. One of the things in this report, which is kind of pushed on a lot is that this phone is like in testing and prototypes these words are used a lot in this article which indicates one of two things either number one that the phone is not ready or number two that all of this information is old
1: yeah 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 I mean, it makes sense that Apple, of course, they have multiple prototypes, so that makes sense. Um, And if the phone is coming out, let's say not in September, but maybe I'm just putting out uh, theories out there, maybe late October, uh, now we're six or seven months out, maybe it makes sense that they're making some final decisions based on uh, two to three prototypes, still floating around. It does seem a little late to me, though. Uh, And I do wonder if maybe this information is a little old. Uh, I have no reason to doubt the fact that Apple actually tested these prototypes that Gurman and others are reporting. So one with the aluminum back as the backup option, the other with the stainless steel uh, frame, uh, the other with the iPhone 7-like curves. Uh, it, It all makes sense to me, but I wonder... We're in uh, the second half of April now. Uh, Assuming that Apple is holding an event in September, and let's say that the iPhone 8 or iPhone edition, whatever, it's not coming out at launch with the iPhone 7S and 7S Plus. So let's assume a one-month delay. uh, And let's assume October. We have six months. So do we really believe that six months before launch, Apple is still testing three different prototypes? Do we have precedence for this kind of release? I don't know. I
0: don't think that one or two months still makes sense for them still testing prototypes. Like, still testing... Like, if you imagine... Imagine this this information came to government last week. Do Mm. you really think that they're, like... They've got three different prototypes right now, and they're like, mm, what one should we go with? Oh, I don't know. I just can't imagine that.
1: And just what? You have to take your time, man. It's so, like Tim Cook walking around with three iPhones in his pocket. He's like, I wonder which is best. And it's Do just we touch the Apple? Like a, Do we not kinda, touch
0: the kinda, Apple? Like, <laughs> juggling,
1: juggling all of these iPhones. So, yeah, I wonder what I prefer. Uh, I don't know. It does seem, I mean, if they are, it sounds like they're a little late. And so if this information is accurate, and it seems like Apple is a little late and maybe had some troubles with integrating the Touch ID into the screen. And maybe they don't like the backup part option either. I don't know. But I do wonder how accurate maybe the time frame reported in these stories actually is. Uh, because I think it happened in the past um, that... Uh, a bunch of these rumor sites, they said, well, Apple is actually late. They're not going to hit the deadline. And eventually, uh, you know, Apple did ship the iPhone between September and October. So it seems like every other year there's there's the uh, the rumor of Apple is still testing. We're in April. It's super late. They're never going to make it. And eventually, everybody's ready by September. I mean, considering the supply constraints, that is, but, you know, the, the phone actually is announced the end release, even in limited quantities. So I don't know.
0: Yeah i i would I would be surprised if they show this thing and then it's not available for like a month or two. It would surprise me. It doesn't seem impossible, but I would I would be surprised. Um, I think even more than that, there's like it can't be more than like six weeks or something because I mean they're not going to have two events. Like they're going to show all I these mean, phones <sighs> at the same time mm. because. If they have this phone, they need to show this phone because you can't have the iPhone event and then show off the 7S and the 7S Plus. If there is this phone, right. right? like if (laughs) this phone is coming out (laughs) this year, you can't not show it. And they can't be like, oh, it's like four months. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's Mm. I feel like that it kind of they have to show it and then it can't be very far away. It can be. But I also feel like they know right now about that, right? Like, they know this. Like, this is all stuff that has to be locked down so far in advance for them to be able to produce them at any quantity size that that an iPhone would sell at, right? Um, I I would just be very, very surprised if they're still kind of at this stage making decisions about what route to go in and then, you know, then maybe then picking a, a route that would take them a long time to put a phone out in with you know within 6 weeks or so from september
1: i would be surprised if it plays out like the ipad pro that apple has an event in september and the ipad pro uh, you know it went out in mid november i don't think apple can afford to do the same with the iphone just because it's so much high profile you know as a, as it's the main device yeah. that apple makes and there's so many expectations for this new design i i do not think and this is probably going to be one of those sound bites that you know comes back at me <laughs> six months from now. But I don't think Apple can wait two months between the big reveal of the new design, the anniversary edition, whatever, and then oh by the way, it's coming out uh, after Thanksgiving. You know, it just doesn't make sense for the iPhone. So one
0: of the, the pieces of information that I got from this that was that was new to me um, is that not only are Apple going to be putting Two cameras on this phone. They will be in portrait orientation to help with there being you know, to help by you know with the the portrait mode stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the fact that it's portrait makes any difference to the portrait mode. But anyway, like I don't think that just the fact that the word portrait is in there means it's better. Um, it's, all takes. That, it's It's like oh, why didn't we call it landscape mode? Um, and then that there are also going to be two cameras on the front potentially in one of these million prototypes. Two cameras on the front. Seems so
2: mm. like a lot of cameras. All the great mm. cameras. Yeah.
1: It. Yeah.
2: I mean, maybe they. You can see where they would want to bring that portrait mode of the depth effect stuff to yeah. the selfie game, right? Like it, it it's kind of crying out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, my big question with this is: if you're getting rid of all the bezels, right, or they're making them a lot smaller, you're going to cram more stuff in a smaller amount of space, like that. It That's seems like <laughs> more engineering <laughs> yeah. challenge yeah. than necessary but i could see why they would want to do it i think i think it would be popular you know i think that a lot of people with the plus phone uh, like the depth effect stuff and you know in the right conditions it does a pretty good job and and why not bring that and you could do some fun stuff and apps like clips with it so i could see it being beneficial but i uh, you know it seems like even more work to put two in there when you're making everything smaller
0: so the the last part of this article Is saying that all of the new iPhones will run iOS 11, a mobile operating system that will include a refreshed user interface and will be announced in June.
1: Just no biggie, you know, just the last sentence, throw it out there. Oh, by the way, we also have a refreshed user interface at the very end of the article. What does this mean? Like, refreshed user interface, you can make the same argument that iOS 10 included a refreshed UI. If you look at Apple Music, Apple News, Home... And iMessage, that's enough of a refresh UI in my book. Uh, but does it mean it's a big, you know, big unified message with the Johnny I video saying this is the new direction of iOS design language? Or is it more like, yes, uh, we're updating podcasts, we're updating uh, iMessage with a new design language, a bunch of other apps, reminders, is and notes are losing the paper texture? And yeah, we're actually putting some new designs out there. Or is it this big, unified, a new human interface guideline type of refreshed UI? It could mean a bunch of things, and it just we need more details uh, to speculate, I feel.
0: I think that to think that that says like, like it's iOS 7, you know, like that kind of redesign, I don't think that's going to be the case. I just assume yeah, that I mean, there will be a bunch of new stuff in there. And I'm sure some user interface tweaks would change. You know, like I've seen people saying today about, like, if all these phones have, all these devices, like the phones and maybe iPads have thinner bezels, you, there may be some things to account for that and maybe some new stuff that yeah. they're doing with that. And or any of the million other things they could do, right? Like a dark mode of OLED, like all of these different things. Um, could that all counts as user interface refresh? And it's purely just, this is just a term that has been used as a i will assume for now as opposed to saying it's like iOS 7 all over again i don't i just i yeah i just don't think that it's needed to be a huge big thing
1: especially if you look at the way that the iOS 7 design language has actually evolved over the, over the past 4 years we've moved from those uh translucency everywhere and super flat design even if you look at Apple's own apps. Uh, They're now using shadows. They're now using big buttons with text labels. Uh, There's uh, rounded corners in a bunch of menus in both iMessage and Apple Music and the App Store. Uh, 3D Touch is much different than what you would have expected from the thin, uh, full-cell, rectangular typography and style of iOS 7. So I think the iOS 7 design has evolved nicely. And I think we saw some much needed uh, adjustments in iOS 9 and especially iOS 10. So I would expect Apple to continue down this road of bringing San Francisco and bold typography to more apps, bringing rounded corners back in fashion in more uh, system uh, interfaces. And maybe, uh, you know, uh, a new use of shadows, less translucency and, of course, changes to account for the home button is now becoming a software one. Uh, so, yeah, in theory, that is a user interface refresh and maybe the, with the thinner bezels maybe it makes more sense to, to start using more condensed menus that are self-contained in boxes instead of going edge to edge from uh, you know the To the sides of the display so i think apple can evolve the current language without having to take a drastic departure and of course the dark mode would be a big enough change to warrant this kind of uh refresh user interface uh note at the bottom of the article i think
0: all right let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about talk about touch id Specifically, today's show is brought to you by Mac Weldon. They make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. Frankly, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now, and they're so confident of this, they have a no questions asked return policy. Mac Weldon assure that you're going to be comfortable in whatever you buy to the point that if you don't like your first pair, just keep them and they'll refund you. No questions asked. By pairing premium fabric. Fabrics with meticulous attention to detail and a simple shopping experience. Macworld deliver a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. Their undershirts stay tucked, their socks stay up, and their waistbands don't roll. Everything that they make is made with premium cotton blended with natural fibers, and their website is built to get you in and out as quickly as possible so they do not waste your time. I'm going to be flying out to the US in a few days and I'm packing my suitcase with my Mack Walden clothing um, because it is honestly the most comfortable stuff that I have especially to travel in. My word. I am such a fan of their stuff when it comes to traveling because I want to feel comfortable but I want to look good too. Like I don't want to look like I'm kind of slumming it at the airport. Like I want to still look good and I feel like I do with Mack Walden stuff. They make me feel good and I think I look good in them too. I mean if you see me, tell me I look good, even if I don't, although I'm sure that you know that I will because I'm wearing Mack clothes. We're all going to know this. Listeners of this show can get 20% off at MackWilden.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. So you get 20% off with the code CONNECTED. Thank you so much to Mack for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so as well as this stuff that German reported today, over the past few days, a bunch of sites, have, been, um, including 9to5Mac, posted an image of some purported iPhone 8 schematics that have been shared on Weibo. Um, It shows a cutout for the Touch ID sensor on the back of the phone in these schematics. Um, Also, there have been some talk from analysts saying that Apple are struggling to embed the sensor underneath the display, and that these supposed issues could lead to either Apple delaying production of the iPhone 8, which I think we've already all come to the conclusion on that we don't think will happen significantly, or removing Touch ID from the phone completely if they do not resolve this. So, we've discussed Touch ID a bunch on the show, um, and whether we think it will be in the display or not, so I figured that what we could do today is, to what seems to be the 2017 style of Connected, Mm. to put our thoughts out quite clearly on the show about how we all feel. I've got three questions that I'm going to ask about this, about this this issue. Um, and then we will save them in our document until the time is right in September where we can say who was right and who was wrong. So the first one is, okay. will the iPhone 8 feature a Touch ID sensor on the back of the phone or embedded into the display? So I think that it goes on the back, Um I think that embedding into the screen is too early. Stephen, what do you think?
2: Uh, I agree. I think that it'll be on the back. You know, it was rumored that Samsung was going to do a similar thing with the S8. And if you look at the placement of their fingerprint sensor, maybe it was added last minute because it's super weird. Uh, so my guess is on the back. Federica,
1: And I'm guessing under the display.
0: You're, you're saying yeah. still on the display or under the display? Yeah. But you mean like well, underneath, physically
1: underneath the display? Yeah, I mean, yes, underneath the display it can be above because it's just going to be a display that you see on the front of the device. right? Um, so I'm thinking Apple managed to find a way to put it under the display and you're not going to have a sensor in the back. And yes, there's going to be a Touch ID sensor, of course. It's just stupid to think that Apple is going to get rid of Touch ID. Well, I mean, what happens to Apple Pay? Well, let's, let's <laughs> wait
0: know. for question number two, because question number okay. two is, would
1: Apple ditch Touch
0: ID okay. because of hardware issues? So, no. So, no. So, okay, so Federico <laughs> says no. Stephen, what do you say? Uh, no, that's silly. So I will not only say that I don't think that they would. I will give my my reasoning for why, which I assume is very similar to your reasoning for why, uh, is Touch ID is how Apple Pay works, and there is yep. no way that they would launch a new product today without Apple Pay. Just they're just not going to yep. do that. Apple Pay not is hugely not important. Happen. So let's assume.
2: Well, uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, so- wait for question number three.
0: Would Apple ditch Touch ID in favor of another form of biometric identity for the iPhone eight?
2: I don't think there's any way they can. I mean, I disagree with you that Touch ID is how Apple Pay works. They can authenticate. With it. They can authenticate any way they wanted to. They have chosen the fingerprint, and they have preached that since the launch of the iPhone 5s. So I'm working on this iPhone 5c project, so I've watched that whole keynote recently, and like they go into great detail about why the fingerprint is the way to go, and and it's the only way to do this. And we put it in the secure enclave, and go us. And I don't think they could walk that back. And if you look at, again, look at the S8, which reviews, I think the embargo just broke because now my Twitter timeline is full of journalists talking about their uh, S8 reviews. But you can unlock with a picture in some other ways on, on the S8. And those things, even Samsung says, are less secure. And even Samsung is saying, if you want to use Samsung Pay or whatever they call it, you have to use your fingerprint. You can't do that with the face unlock because it is more easily tricked and... Uh, I I don't think Apple wants to go down that road of making Apple Pay less secure. They could do it, technically, I think, but they shouldn't, and I don't think they will. So I don't think that it is
0: impossible to presume, and I don't think you're saying this, that there would not be some other form of biometrics in the future that could be better than this. But let's assume that Apple have found that. Let's just assume that the iPhone 8 includes some biometrics that are even more secure in some way than than the fingerprint. So I don't know about iris scanning, like actual good iris scanning. Like I don't know if that is more secure or whatever it might be. But I think the thing is whatever whatever biometrics would overtake Touch ID can't be announced and then immediately become the way that it's done. Because I'm assuming that Apple has to work with payment providers and card providers to allow them to do their own security testing for apple pay and i can't assume that like Apple's just going to be like hey we've got this new thing and it's there i assume that what they would do is replace touch id so like the idea of using w- what it is that you uh log in for as the primary thing on your phone or unlock your phone for first and had that doing for a while before they removed the fingerprint sensor does that make sense like that they would, let's say it's totally. iris scanning, that like they'll say, iris scanning is now the best and fastest way to unlock your phone, but to use Apple Pay, you still use the fingerprint sensor, which is conveniently located underneath the Apple logo. Um, and and then after time, they're like, and now Apple Pay is done via our new and amazing system. Verica, what do you think?
1: I don't think Apple is going to replace Touch ID with another biometric system unless it's n- the security of the system is on par or superior than Touch ID. And I struggle to see how the iris scanning can get to the same degree of security as Touch ID, specifically because of how it works. It just seems easier to get a sensor that can reconstruct a mathematical representation of your fingerprint than having a super high-definition scanner that reconstructs a mathematical object that represents your iris in your eye. So I think the feasibility of better biometrics are kind of slim at this point. So I would say if Apple, Apple is not going to ditch Touch ID, they're going to have to keep using Touch ID. And I do believe that Apple wants is prefers the option to have it under the display. I hope that it goes under the display because it, I'm just used to it. If it goes in the back, I'm not going to grab my pitchfork and go to the Apple Park. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be fine. I think it's more elegant uh, to have it you know, have a flashback and just the sensor underneath the display, but I don't see the iris scanning or whatever replacing uh, the fingerprint. If only because, and maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I feel like the from a technical perspective, it's just harder, and I guess it's easier to find a place for Touch ID than to make the iris scanner so uh, secure and accurate and advanced um you know than other companies uh, right now in twenty seventeen.
0: So that's Touch ID. We will revisit our predictions in a few months time I guess and then we can all see how right or wrong we were. So today to finish off today's episode we're gonna talk about an iPad wish list in the idea of software and hardware. We have two big categories here software and hardware so the things that we would like to see come to the iPad I guess, as the rest of the year continues. Um, and I believe, Federico, you have taken control of the software portion and I have
1: with the hardware portion. It wasn't intentional, but that's what happened. That's how we roll. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I would present uh, present a bunch of uh, key elements of areas where I think the, Apple's, uh, the iPad software should improve. So, first in my list is the, and this is not going to come as a surprise, but it's the Split View App Picker UI, which I feel like I'm mentioning every single week. I do think it's the worst interface that Apple ever shipped on iOS. Uh, I'm going to say it is worse than the iMessage App Picker, if only because multitasking and Split View are so essential to the way that people work on the iPad. Um I have the feeling that the current implementation, so when you swipe in from the right side of the iPad and you then swipe down from the app that is currently in slide over, you get a list, a vertical list of three uh, apps with icons and the last app gets a card with a preview of the last uh, status that was saved into the system. And I don't think it's a good interface. I think it's slow. I think it... Uh, the order of apps was something that Apple never properly explained. And even worse, if you're someone who works from the iPad and have a, if you have an established workflow, you know, you switch from numbers to Google Docs to Safari, whatever, um, there's no customization in here. It is impossible to find apps. You need to scroll this vertical list over and over until you find the app you're looking for. Sometimes the app is not even there. And so I think Apple should redesign it. And it should be redesigned with a combination of recent apps and user-selected favorites. There should be a way to rearrange your most-used apps sort of on a, on a, on a kind of mini home screen just for the split view interface. You should be able to re- rearrange them with drag and drop. You should be able to delete them when you don't want them anymore. And there should also be a search bar so you can actually manually find the app that you want to use in multitasking. Um, I'm also going to say there should be a way to work with split view multitasking and slide over using external keyboards. Because right now, uh, split view and slide over and the uh, app picker are entirely touch-based. If you're working with a smart keyboard or with any other Bluetooth keyboard, you need to raise your... Uh, Fingers off the keyboard and touch the display. There should be shortcuts to activate split view, to activate the app picker UI, to enter the search bar, and maybe shortcuts to be assigned to favorites. Uh, With that kind of system, I feel like uh, the iPad multitasking would become much faster and people would spend less time scrolling the list of apps in the app picker UI and actually getting work done and switching between the apps that they actually need.
0: Man, the keyboard thing. Like, I mean... (laughs) I would really like um, a redesigned split view app picker, of course. Like, of course. But so many of my current problems would just be solved if they had keyboard shortcuts. Right? Like, that would be, like, the quickest way to fix the majority of problems I have with the app picker.
2: I guess they tried to do that with the command tab switcher, but that thing really feels... is like, glued on the top of everything else that's going on. And if you're in split view... It's sort of confusing as to what it's going to do. I think sometimes, and compared to if you're in full screen app, it's just it's just all really messy. I think they need to streamline the whole story around using more than one app at once.
0: Yeah, all it ever does is replaces the left app, right? That's what that's what it's doing. And I kind of wish that it didn't do that. Um, i wish that it would replace the app that i'm currently in or you know like on the one i'm not currently in like but i know that would probably be more confusing cuz then it's changing panels in and out but just just the replacement of the left app and uh, the Spotlight also only opens the left app like it's just frustrating like for me to do a lot of the stuff that I want to do I I open the app that I least want to, like I, like if I want to have two apps side by side and be switching one out left and right the one that I'm going to open first is the one that I want to switch and then I bring in the one that I never want to switch from the side it's just like ridiculousness right Right? Um, and I feel like the only people that understand what I just said are people that have this frustration because Federico right. knows what I'm talking about But, like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, like, I can't explain this to you in a way that makes a lot of sense. Um, But, like, just know there that if you're out there going, yes, then you get it. You get it. You know. I figure whilst doing all of this, uh, take a crack at the home screen, too. Mm. Just for funsies. Mm. Just see what you can do there to not just be this (laughs) huge, (laughs) like, huge wasteland of space Mm. between the application icons.
1: Well, it should be more compact for sure. At least on the iPad Pro, yeah. uh, it's just ridiculous. You can you can put three fingers uh, uh, between icons on the iPad Pro home screen on the twelve point <laughs> nine. Uh, I don't know about widgets. I know the the idea of uh, kind of like on Android, it's very popular. I'm still not sold on having widgets alongside icons, but I'm at the point where anything at this point would be better than what we have. Uh, and I do, and I'm going to say even if they put widgets in there. It's not going to be worse. It, if anything, it's going to be better. Uh, so I'm not sold on the idea, but if they do it, it's welcome. It's it's a welcome change. At least they're using the space, you know? Yep. The next item on my list, is, and this is a big one, um, drag and drop between apps. And I know that it may not sound like a big deal, especially for Mac users, because drag and drop has been around for years. Uh, but if Apple is going to do drag and drop between apps on iOS, it requires, it's a great effort from, from a technological point of view, and it requires the kind of system-wide framework and the developer adoption to make this work with multi-touch and to make it intuitive and to make it account for uh, conditions, such as, for example, um, Split View whether Split View is active or not, and exactly what kind of content are you dragging. So let's talk examples. Um, there, There should be a system to be able to move data between two apps at the same time without having to use the clipboard, so without having to copy something first and then paste in that content, or without having to use extensions. Right now, if you're writing an email and you're want to bring in a PDF, you have to go through document providers. There's no way to say, well, I'm looking at this file right now. It's uh, on the right side of the screen. Why can I can I not grab this document and just drag it over the message? It's something obvious that compu- desktop computers solved decades ago. But under that system, um, there's a framework that says, well, now the user is dealing with this kind of object. It's a PDF document. So what happens when the user drops this PDF document into an app? Is it an app that can preview a PDF document or is it an app ca- that can embed a PDF document as, a, as an attachment? So yep. on iOS, there should be a way for apps to declare the kind of input types that they can accept. And there should also be a system where if you drop something into a place where it's not really meant to be, what happens if you drop, let's say, a PSD document from photoshop into tweetbot what's going to happen there so there should be a system to have, uh, have it gracefully fail and at least give the user a preview of what is going on and especially in the context of multitouch with the, with users being able to manipulate apps with multiple fingers what happens if you're if you start dragging and then you want to you change your mind, and you say, well, I don't want to drop it into TweetBot. I need to change apps now. Well, with multi-touch, there could be a way to start dragging something and use the other hand to open Split SplitView, uh, the app picker, and choose a different destination app and say, and drop the object into a separate app, into a different app. And that will require also Split View to be able to engage the app picker UI on both sides of the screen, not just on the right side, because drag and drop could happen anywhere. And finally... Um, from the technological point of view, it seems clear to me that Apple needs to hit 60 frames per second uh, with the drag and drop, with whatever animation they use, with whatever preview system they use. But also, it is this is exactly the job for an engine that can understand different content types, that can intelligently translate between uh, different formats. For example, if you grab some rich text and you drop it into an app that supports plain text, there should be a system that can convert on the fly between those two formats or a system that if you drop an image into a text box, it just grabs the file name or maybe the link to an image. And stop me if you've heard this before, but there's uh, that kind of engine. It's called the Content Graph. (laughs) And (laughs) guess what? It has been bought by Apple. (laughs) So... Made by the
0: workflow team.
1: Yes. This is something that Apple solved years ago on the Mac with with the UTI attributes of documents and files. Um, I mean, I guess back in the days of System 7, and now Steven knows more than than I do, uh, but to be able to gracefully fail and understand file types and drop files in two different locations. That's exactly what Apple solved on macOS. That is also what Workflow tried to reimagine without multitouch just by converting and doing the file type uh, conversion dynamically. So it's, you know, best of both worlds and I feel like Apple could leverage the experience of macOS multitouch on iOS, the tech behind the content graph and everybody's happy.
2: Yeah, I, I mean these these are solved problems at least from the technology standpoint. I agree with you; it's got to be buttery smooth on the iPad. You know, it should be sixty frames second should be it should follow your finger or the pencil. Uh, what I'm curious about is developer ad- adoption of this. Is this something that apps are just going to get in iOS eleven? You know, for some future version of iOS, or I mean, I assume developers in addition to having intent. Uh, displayed to the OS of saying, hey, I can accept these types of files, that there is some um, mechanism for graceful failure. And is that something system-wide or is that each developer is going to have to do it on their own? Uh, There's lots of questions. I agree with you, though. It's something so fundamental to how the Mac works and Windows? I mean, any other graphic user interface has this. And I think it's high time that it gets added to iOS
1: and the final item on my list is this is such a broad topic but let's try to condense it to a bunch of annoyances that we have easier <laughs> file management now managing files on iOS it's uh, it it is a very wide problem um we could talk about how document the document picker is too slow to use uh you open the document picker, it defaults to iCloud Drive, uh, but then you don't want to use iCloud Drive. So you say, well, I'm, I, I want to switch to Dropbox or PDF Expert or whatever. It takes always a bunch of tabs and it feels like the system um, should be more flexible, should be faster, uh, should, be, should support the keyboard, you know, it just... I, I shouldn't have to go through three different menus and five button taps to save a PDF document, whatever I want. So that would be the first one. Um, and then I guess we should talk about how the, the Premiere app that Apple sells as the finder for iOS, maybe, in their minds, iCloud Drive is kind of a joke on iOS. It was meant to... uh, 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 This is where... I'm most conflicted because I still can't believe that the redesign of iCloud Drive that they shipped with iOS 10 was designed by someone who was serious about it. Um, I remember uh, last year we were at WWDC and I was talking to David Sparks and he was in the process of m- moving uh, <laughs> uh, dozens of documents to iCloud Drive and uh, and he showed me this uh, uh, the iOS 10 beta with the new iCloud Drive design and he asked me, can you believe this is real? Uh, the way that the folder expansion is on by default how you cannot or at least it's super difficult to move files from one folder to another and just the it seems like the file management ui of icloud drive has been designed by someone who keeps at most maybe two documents in icloud drive it's like mm. my um, favorite
0: thing about it is how do you save something to the general icloud drive storage from an application you tap on well, the yeah, icloud drive button and then hit icloud drive as the option so
1: it's like, what is this? What and is you this? You need to scroll, all the, to to scroll the <laughs> all the way to the bottom, all the way to the bottom, and need to the button
0: in the eye. Ah, oh.
1: yeah. And so let's talk solutions. There should be a way to centralize all of these document providers into a single location. So the 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 underlying idea that Apple had is not too bad of. You have different document providers, and you can choose. And that is not a terrible idea, but the execution has been awful. So there should be a centralized app to manage files that makes it easy for you to choose where you want to save a document or any other file. It should support multiple files at the same time. It should have system-wide support for multiple multiple file operations. So if I want to save 10 files in a row, if I want to rename multiple files, if I want to share them, I should be able to do so. There should be some kind of manual, and this is what we were talking about before, there should be some kind of manual user customization. If I never want to see Dropbox or if I never want to see iCloud Drive, let me disable those sources. There should be some kind of sense of um, remembering user preferences, uh, last saved locations. There should be a way to view recent files and there should be a way to organize files in more ways, smart folders. Tags uh, being being able to inspect some document attributes such as modification dates and you know other metadata in an easier way again, these are problems that Apple solved years ago with the finder, and I'm not arguing for people conflate the idea of well now you want a file system on iOS you want a user visible file system? No, I don't want that uh, iOS already has a file system. From that point of view, and it's the document providers. Uh, So that ship has long sailed. There is a file system, there is folders that you can actually manage, but the solution used to manage those folders is terrible. There should be a better way, there should be a finder app to browse contents of apps that can look into the where apps can look into each other's uh, libraries of course, given the user's consent. Uh, There should be a way to avoid using extensions or the clipboard. There should be support for multiple files, user customization, history of recent documents and recent locations. You know, all the great things about the Finder, minus going into the cache folder of iOS and doing terrible things. But all the app libraries, all of the user-created folders and documents they should be presented in a better way. So Apple should take what works in the Finder, what is not confusing, and make it work on iOS. And that is my my plea for the future.
0: So I want all of this, all all that stuff. Um, I had a couple of things over the last couple of days where leading up to this episode, they were just ringing around in my brain more. So like today I sent a PDF to somebody via email with the PDF open in PDF pen. And I had to <laughs> click the attach button and go into Dropbox and go into the file and attach it. It's sitting right there. It's like I could see you. I was just there. I just saved it to Dropbox from PDF pen. And then I had to, in airmail, go back to Dropbox to get it. So just yeah. let me just yeah. drag and drop it through. The other was yesterday I had to send four attachments to someone in one email from Dropbox.
1: Mm, what a what a crazy request <laughs> <And> <laughs> boy, did it take me a
0: while because on the first time on the fourth attachment airmail just hung so I had to close the app and then had to do it all over again before four attachments uh, takes a long time and yet super annoying and hey did you know you can do these things on the Mac yes I'm very aware very aware of all of that thanks so much uh, I Le- would like it to be on iOS um. <laughs> So but yeah, I I don't want to do the document pick a dance 3 times, 4 mm-hmm. times to attach four attachments. Just let me do it one time and select multiple things and add them in. Uh or let me drag and drop things from the new amazing Finder app. Like whatever it is, just I don't care if if like I have to drag and drop it from the Finder thing. Like I don't care. Like it doesn't bother me however I need this works. Just give me a way to do it that isn't current way that is smarter and and the thing is it's like all of this stuff was so much better from ios 8 to ios 9 like Mm -hmm. so much better so much better that we couldn't even foresee the problems because it was just so much better but we're Mm -hmm. now rounding on ios 11 and and it hasn't Mm -hmm. gotten any better at all so it's time to make it better So anybody ask anything to say on software before we move into hardware?
1: I, I'm I'm done personally. Yeah, yeah I I'm,
0: I hope you're done, Federico. I hope that's all we need.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the 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 big thing for me is that that da- the file dancing stuff because so much of what I do for like relay admin work is doing with emails and PDFs, just like you do, Mike. I just give up. Like I'm not willing to tap the stupid button four times and then four more times telling it I don't want iCloud, I not want Dropbox. Like it's just so much slower. For me, for what I can do it on the Mac, I just do it at the Mac. Um, And I think there are a lot of people who feel the way I do about that. And and this isn't so much about turning the iPad into the Mac, but it's about making the iPad more efficient for some types of uses. Uh, That's all I'm really after.
0: This show is also brought to you by Audible today. Audible has an unmatched selection of audio content, from threading novels to fascinating nonfiction to content from newspapers and magazines. If you want it, Audible has got it. Whether you're looking to add a little more excitement to your commute or you're finding a way to make laundry more bearable, you need look no further than Audible. They make your commute more exciting and your chores more appealing. And with a great audiobook to help you fill the time, you'll be looking for excuses to wash dishes more or maybe to go for a dog walk or whatever it is just get out of the house and do some stuff or do some stuff in the house you just want to listen to more audiobooks they have a great app which i've used a bunch to listen to audiobooks their app is really nice and you can get all of your library there and you can download things from audible that you've bought in the past and you can just listen to them there and then you can remove them and you can get them again you've got the whole library there it's really cool i really like that about the application actually that it's got everything there but i don't need to keep it all saved on my device I wanted to recommend a book this week, um, a book that we uh, did, did on Cortex a while ago, we did a review of, called Creativity Inc., which is basically about the creation of Pixar and how uh, Ed Catmull uses his own management style to help encourage creative people to do work. And it's useful from the aspect of being a creative person, from being somebody who's worked inside a company to also being just a creative person who works on your own, not just with other people. So I think that it's really good to kind of just shore up some of the things that you might want to think about if you do any kind of creative work. But even if you just work in a team of people, there are things that you can pull out from this book to help you work better together with others. It's a very, very good book uh, that I recommend really highly and I read it on Audible and the narrator was awesome and I thought that they did a fantastic job which is such an important thing when it comes to audiobooks and uh, Audible do such a fantastic job of picking out the people that they get to read their audio content you can't make more time but you can make the most of it turn your chores into something more of a free trial or Audible go to audible.com connected to find out more and start your trial today Thank you to Audible for their support of this show. So I guess it's probably my time, right? So we've had Federico with his uh, amazing roundup of all of the lovely software stuff that we would like to see. Now, I figured that I would do hardware because nobody knows the software of iOS better than Federico. So I figured I would try and do the part that at least I know pretty well too, and that's the hardware. And it's because I use both iPads. Every day, right? Like, So (laughs) I am maybe uniquely or semi-uniquely set up to to talk about this. So bigger screens. Now, bigger screens, I would like in any way that they can be given to me. And it doesn't just mean by making the screen or device physically larger. So you can make the screens on the existing models bigger by decreasing the bezels. You can increase the screen resolutions to make the smaller sizes more compelling or Feel bigger or eventually just make bigger iPads. Now, points one and two may be taken up by this 10.5 inch iPad we've been speaking about and hoping for for a while, right? That it's going to make the screen bigger to give you more space and also increase, increase the screen resolution so it works more like the 12.9. Um, and then eventually, one day, I, I would love a 29 inch iPad once a lot of the software stuff's been worked out, right? Like, and it becomes closer and closer to what the Mac can do. Uh, I would love to have like a huge. Device, right? That, that would that would be very impressive, like very appealing to me. I think.
1: Yeah, I, we we talked about the idea of having a big iPad on a on a table on a desk, and you know I'm looking at the Surface Studio, and um, and I was actually looking at the other Windows computers, tablets, whatever that they have at my local IKEA store, and you know I was looking at people using those. Uh, displays kind of you know very comfortable very large um and i and i like the idea um of you know i wouldn't mind having like 20 inch ipad on my desk right now and just you know moving my arms around to rearrange stuff maybe you know a four up split view i could see that and um i mean obviously i'm not gonna be the guy with the 20 inch ipad uh Walking around Rome uh, as a modern, <laughs> mo- modern Moses, uh, but uh, you know, on my on my kitchen table, on my desk in my studio, I, I think it would be quite nice. I could see the iPad for home and the iPad on the go, sort of a, of an evolution of what Mike does now, but done in a sort of an in an official Apple way. This is the iPad that you use at home, and this is the iPad that you bring with you.
0: Yeah, I agree. iPad in the sheets, iPad on the streets, right? Okay. That's what. Well, you said I that. I did, yeah. and I meant it. <laughs> uh, peripherals. I want more peripherals. I want updates to current ones, and I want more of them. So new versions of the Apple Pencil and Smart Keyboard. I would like iterations and improvements. So here are a few things that I think could be done. We'll start off with the pencil. Uh, better battery life. Um, Apple did not account, I think, for the way that some people like me would use their pencils and I can run through it very quickly. I also feel like, I mean, this has been a thing that's changed over time, but just that, that my pencil is out of battery way more frequently than I think it will yeah. be. Um, I would like to see a button put on the Apple Pencil. Um, there are a myriad of things you could do with this. Uh, you could add functions with the pencil to it. So for example, if you were in an app like Procreate, they could map an eraser to the button. So you press the button, and then as you're holding the button, you could continue to swipe, and it would turn your brush into an eraser. Uh, you could have shortcuts mapped to it. So inside of a specific application, you know, you could select and press it to copy. You know, you could maybe map that in an app Um, or you could use it as a way to uh, add 3D touch to the iPad in some in some ways. Right. So you could add this button and whenever you do it and whatever you tap, it's as if you 3D touch something. So that's some things you could do with a button, but I think a button would be a nice thing to add also a button would stop the pencil from rolling because the pencil does roll. know I mean, it's has weights in it, but you put it fast enough that thing rolls around and a button would stop that. It's uh, It would be akin to something that we call a roll stop, which is a very um, obvious name given to a, a piece of functionality in nice pens. It's called a roll stop. It stops the pen from rolling. So they could add a little roll stop on the side. I also still want an aluminium Apple Pencil um, because why not? It'd just be nicer. You could charge more money for it. You can get that ASP up even more. You could do them in all the four colors. Uh, and aluminium doesn't mean heavy either. Um, it will be heavier, but it won't necessarily be heavy. I have so many aluminium pens. I basically most of the pens I own are made out of one of one of two materials: either acrylic plastic or aluminium. It's, this is a thing. Aluminium pens is a thing, and I would very much like an an aluminium a pencil because. I would like that. Um, Looking at the keyboard, I would like there to be a media row, so add more keys. You know, play and pause and volume up and down or brightness up and down. I want those. Uh, You could even add keys in there to activate split view, right? Imagine that, Mm -hmm. wonder. You could have (laughs) split view keys in there. Uh, Maybe one day, not in the near future, but maybe one day a touch bar. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? That I don't
2: see the... I don't see the need for that on an iPad keyboard.
0: Well, it's moving uh, what the would you put quick on it? type, move it down onto the keyboard because the quick types currently on the screen.
2: Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know that my, in my thing about the keyboard and I actually haven't talked to you guys about this, but I've actually moved away from using the smart keyboard on my 9.7 inch iPad pro over time. The more I use it, the more I find it uncomfortable. Like the keys are just a little too small. Um, so I, I have a, Second magic keyboard or whatever the Mac one is called in a canopy, uh, which is made by our friends at Studio Neat. And I, you know, I, I know why the keys are smaller on it is because you know they're held down by that fabric that makes it you know water resistant and it makes a weird scratching noise when you type, which is I still haven't gotten used to. But I really wish there was less space between the keys and was a little bit easier to type on, at least for th- my typing style. Uh, so I have just put a regular smart cover back on my iPad Pro and I'm carrying keyboard around when I need it.
0: I still use the uh, Logitech Create on the small one and the Smart Keyboard on the big one. Mm. There are so many problems with the Smart Keyboard. Uh, one of them, the biggest for me, is the adjustable angle like uh, the inability to adjust an angle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So terrible. Yeah.
0: I so frequently I'm like how far do I'm like sitting down on the couch. It's like I feel like I am reaching to an almost ninety degrees to hit the iPad sometimes. I feel like my hand just keeps going until it taps the screen. Um there needs to be an adjustable angle there as well.
1: The problem with the adjustable angle, um it, it is the reason why I have to use the uh the magic keyboard with the Canopy um case stand. Uh it's because it provides a better angle. You know, when I'm working from my car, (laughs) um, which I realize it's not a very common problem. uh, But I just prefer the solution uh, to the smart keyboard, which I also agree with Steven. It needs bigger keys. uh, And I mean, I think I have normal size hands. I think I'm I'm comparable to Mike from that point of view. But Mike can actually use the smart keyboard and I can't. Um, So... I think I would love to have bigger keys, adjustable angle, and maybe backlight. It's that. Oh, too much yeah, no, I forgot about backlight. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> That'd be nice.
0: definitely a backlight. The reason I forgot to say backlight is because when I was originally writing these notes, I was using the uh, 9.7 inch with the create key- keyboard. Mm. So I was thinking, I don't even have to think about backlight because it's there and it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely backlighting is 100% required. Yeah. Um, I would also like to see some accessories that aren't keyboards, or that terrible stand thing. Do you remember who is it that made that stand? You know what I'm talking about—the
1: charging stand. Logitech, L- Logitech. It's the yeah, the iPad Pro stand with the smart connector. Yeah, you mean yeah, it was Logitech, I think. That was so bad. The Logi stand, yeah, yeah whatever. Where it yeah. charged
0: like <laughs> super
1: slowly. Yeah, I mean, the smart connector, um, have we seen, um, I think I can count the accessories on one hand. The big iPad Pro smart keyboard, the small iPad Pro smart keyboard, the Logitech Create 1 and 2, the Logitech Stand were at 5, uh, and I think that's it. Five accessories in two years of smart connector. <laughs> it's not great. Um Yeah, but you could could sell that as a limited edition, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Apple going for the Nintendo approach with the Amiibo. It's like super scarce accessories. Uh, I think something obviously didn't work out as Apple was expecting. I mean, five accessories in two years seems a bit wrong. And
2: Logitech is the only third-party company doing it. Like... It, yes. <laughs> um, I found a review to Jason Snell. He, he talked about the Logitech base. We'll have that in the show notes. But yeah, it just seems like there's, it's a real opportunity here. And, you know, I had pictured, I think we even talked about it. Like, what if you have a cool, like, you know, DJing surface and you sit the iPad down on it or, you know, it's, the music stuff comes to mind for me that you could put so many things uh, underneath the iPad and make it more interesting from a content creation standpoint. And, you know, I don't know if it's, a deal where that smart connector just doesn't provide the, the throughput needed for, for other things. I don't know if it is kind of like HomeKit where you have to work with Apple so closely and it's just really slow and so companies don't do it. But I think that Apple, if they want to, to pitch the iPad as being really flexible in other types of systems, the smart connector has got to get better.
0: And my final heading for today is just in all caps, it just says POWER. <laughs> um, i i I want Apple at least with the iPad line to just continue making these things more and more powerful like as time continues be willing to kill off the low end chips with like software updates or whatever they would do to get rid of those um, don't keep things around purely to fill price gaps like just keep pushing until they make the iPad desktop class because just keep doing it, like keep the hardware like like how we've been talking, so many people have been talking about with the Mac line, keep the hardware the same and keep putting new chips in them just keep putting new chips in them every year more chips, more chips, more chips because i I feel like to make the iPad really do what they want it to do, they have to get it closer and closer to the Mac in so many ways, and it is speed and it is software. And my feeling is if you just keep making this thing more and more powerful, you make it more and more easy for more people to move over. You make it more and more easy for more developers to put their applications on it because they'll be able to match the the performance without having to worry about catering to the low end. Like I feel that whilst this is a expensive thing to do, it's a tricky thing to do, it mm-hmm. currently is maybe more expensive than Apple would like anyway to be running the iPad line when sales are declining. So why don't you just make a plan for like six or seven years and just keep firing at it and then see, evaluate from there. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But then at that point, you can either kill the project completely if you're not happy with it, although please don't do that, uh, or you can go back to a slower strategy. But like, why not just try it and see what happens? Because you might end up with some very compelling results at the end.
1: Yeah, it gets me when I when I hear the argument from other from other people that say, well, the iPad is powerful enough. The problem is not the hardware. The problem is the software. Yes, that is true, but they're not mutually exclusive. And I think Apple needs to keep improving the hardware uh to enable more powerful kinds of software in the future. You know, when you're dealing with software development and you need to compile a project, what, which is reasonable to expect, you know, in the future of the iPad to see Xcode coming to the platform. And you need to compile, a, a, you know, code into an executable piece of software. Well, you're going to need that power. And even right now, if you're using Python ESA or workflow and you're dealing with, you know, complex expressions and evaluating long strings of text, and I'm talking several megabytes, you're going to want to have a processor that can handle that. Uh, when you're dealing with games or when you're dealing with 3D graphics, you're actually creating 3D graphics on the iPad or you need to... Co- you need to edit an 8K image in an image editor on iOS. Do you want the power or not? You see, we we didn't get to the moon with a horse carriage. We get there because we were able to build rockets. And Mm -hmm. so I think it is stupid to say, well, it's just going to settle. It's powerful enough. Uh, Because if you don't keep firing on all of those cylinders, as you say, Mike, you're going to reach a point where you have the opposite problem. You say, well, we have all of these ideas for the software, but, well, guess what? We're behind on the hardware now. So... I think the, both advancements need to happen simultaneously. They need to keep pushing for better graphics, better CPU, more powerful hardware, and they need to go back to the software and say, well, now we really need to reimagine everything because it's been two years since iOS 9. But the argument that the iPad is powerful enough and it's time for Apple to, what, stop, just pause innovation on CPUs and GPUs, it's just silly. And uh, I think it is a, the, the, the one of the biggest investments that Apple can do for the future of productivity is to keep pushing the limits of mobile hardware, mobile CPUs and GPUs, and to create the foundation for new software that will take us further than we've ever been so far. You know, uh, I, I think uh, we should hope that Apple keeps pushing for better hardware to get us to the second life of iOS software and iOS apps. If
0: you're out there and you make either iPad hardware or software, just do all of that and you're good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it. Just do all, those, all of those just, things. Actually, just listen to this episode, uh, print it out on multiple sheets of paper, pin those to the wall of your office, follow word by word... Yep. And talk to us in a couple of years, and we're yeah we're gonna be happy. Everybody's everybody wins. Get a permanent yeah? marker
0: and write on the wall above the printout roadmap <laughs> <laughs> and you're good. Or like it can be kind of like your vision you want, board. Just send me an email. I'll put it all into a Trello board for you. You know, whenever you do, however you work, I'm willing to format it for you. Just give us all mm. of those things. That's all we you ask. Can
1: be, you can you can be a vision consultant. Mike.
0: i'm more than happy more <laughs> than happy to consult on that vision if you want to find our show notes for this week go to relay.fm connected slash 138 thanks again to our sponsors the fine folk over at squarespace mac Walden, and audible you can find steven online at 512pixels.net he is also on youtube you can search 512pixels on youtube and you'll find him there and he is at ismh on twitter Federico is at Vichichi, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and at maxstories.net, where I believe it's going to be a big week, Federico, if I've been mm. reading your tea yeah. leaves correctly. Mm-hmm. Yes. The clues are yes. out there. It's written in the skies. You can you can find it if you want. Uh, I am at I'm like, I-M-Y-K-E, and we'll be back next time. Until then, thank you for listening. Say goodbye, everybody.
2: Arrivederci. Adios.